You are listening to the Filming Life Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Holmes, founder and lead educator at the Filming Life Academy, the largest online community of family filmmakers in the world, where I teach photographers how to switch over to video and create meaningful story-driven films with confidence. Joining me is my co-host, Allison Redman, community leader for the Filming Life Academy and lead educator of our extremely popular sound design course. Together, we give you an inside look at what's happening inside the Filming Life Academy, along with tips and tricks that you can use right away to elevate your work as a filmmaker. If you're not already a member, but you want to be, you can sign up to the Academy over at FilmingLifeAcademy.com. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Filming Life Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney, and I'm thrilled that you've tuned in to listen to us today. I've got my co-host, Allison Bedman here, and we have an awesome list of things to chat to you about today. But first, we want to thank everyone who has reached out to us about the Filmmakers Retreat. It was originally scheduled for September this year, and sadly, we've had to make the incredibly difficult decision to cancel the retreat this year due to the COVID-19 crisis. We thought about this for such a long time, and in the end, we just decided that it wasn't worth the risk of endangering our attendees to try and proceed with the event this year. This isn't the end though. We've got big plans for the retreat going forward and we've already started making plans for 2021. If you want to join us, head over to thefilmmakersretreat.com and you can join our waitlist to be first to know when tickets are open for purchase. So apart from being really sad about the retreat not happening, Allison, how are you? Tell me what's been going on with you in your world. Hey, I'm good. Hi everybody. It's great to be here again. I am doing okay. We are as everybody else in the world is Mm -hmm. in the thick of homeschooling and that's been a fun little challenge yeah uh, learning (laughs) to balance running a small business and uh twins and a six-year-old all in school so uh that has been challenging but I to be honest am enjoying aspects of it that I didn't think I would so that's been hugely surprising um yeah I'm spending a lot more time with my six-year-old and that's uh has its challenges but it's it's been really cool to just get to know her kind of in a different way and I guess I'm really thankful for that in a weird way and um yeah so that's been interesting we've been taking we you know as you know we live in Saudi Arabia and very strict here as far as the way they've been managing the crisis. Um, we have a curfew every day that's very strictly enforced and we can't go anywhere. Um, everything is closed. Um, but you are allowed to like go on walks, um, or go on bike rides. Um, you can't go to like parks or anything. And so we have been taking lots of bike rides and lots of walks. And so that's been fun (laughs) trying to make the best of, a really hard situation. I know the kids miss their school, which everybody does, and they uh, miss their friends, but um, we're trying to make the best of it, which has been good. So, that's yeah, good. that's kind of my, yeah, that's been hard. Uh, what about you? What's going on? Uh, same, same. I mean, it's interesting because in Australia, I mean, I think very much like Saudi, there's not a whole lot of cases because of the mm-hmm. um, amount of restrictions that went into place early on. Right. It means that um, the economy, like everywhere else, is really taking a big hit from that. And um, we have actually been off of school since I returned from the U.S. in March um, right. because the kids, you know, I, I flew in the day that the um, 
that self-isolation rule came into place for overseas travelers. And um, so the kids have been home with me since then because then I got sick and I didn't feel comfortable sending them to school. So the schools are still open and technically they've continued to be open this whole time, but they have suggested that if you're not Mm -hmm. a worker with a job that you have to go to, um, that you should keep your kids home. And it's interesting now to even see like people like the prime minister who's talking about how hard it is to work from home and school your kids at the same time. I guess that's <laughs> what his wife is doing. And so, right. um, <laughs> you know, it's really interesting there and they're, they're really, really want to get kids back in school here. And um, mm. so they've started staggering a return for kids. And so the kids have gone one day this week and they'll continue to start to go more and more. Um, and I guess we'll just sort of see how that goes for me. It's been a roller coaster. It feels yeah. like when I got home, I thought I had the virus and I, I was so sick, right? So, so, so sick. And then, um, after that, and then I, I tested negative and then I got better. And then, um, after that, it was like catching up on everything because I'd been traveling for the two weeks. And then, um, it just felt like I was chasing my tail constantly with all of the emails and the academy mm-hmm. stuff and just everything. And then with the retreat kind of between the two of us, like yes, back and forth with that. And it has been just a roller coaster of emotions At, on the one yeah. hand, if I didn't have anything else to worry about, I would love having the kids home and, and Mm -hmm. life slowing down and all of those things. But, you know, we, we have all these other heavy, heavy things that we've had to deal with and, um, and seeing also just the news every day and how, how hard it has been. I feel really lucky that we haven't been affected as badly as others have. Um, right. And so, you know, just the weight of that as well, it just feels like you start to kind of enjoy it being with your kids so much and having all this time as a family together, but then you start to feel bad for enjoying it because it's right. at this huge cost to all yeah. these people and the economy and everyone else and eventually us, like, and us as well, you know, so it, it's I don't even know how to feel. I just, mm. I don't yeah. know how to feel. <laughs> I really, no, I like that. I like that, that thought because that's a, that's a good way to kind of put it. You feel mm. both guilty and you feel grateful and it's just this weird oxymoron yeah. of things that are swimming in your head. And I feel like it almost inhibits it for me, at least it, it inhibited me almost like, yeah, I, I didn't feel like I could create or do any work that's just piling up because my mental headspace wasn't there. Yeah. Um, does that make sense? You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I didn't even feel like I could share anything. It didn't feel appropriate mm-hmm. to share anything or really talk about anything else but the virus because yeah. Like it just felt, it just didn't feel right. And then, like you said, getting into the the right headspace to be creative and do the work that, you know, was shot. I've got, I think, four films sitting on my hard drive needing to be edited. And it's just like, I'm not, I'm not really there yet. Hopefully I'll get there soon. Right. Things have started to um, settle for me in terms of that side of things. Like I'm, I'm feeling more productive, 
feeling capable of being more productive over the last couple of weeks. I've noticed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm currently like rewriting all of the content for the the courses in the academy. That's a big thing. I know. We're so excited about that. So, um, I, yeah, that part of it is, is kind of really has been interesting. It's been like a big sort of swing for me. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I mean, that's, that's been what I've been experiencing. That's how it's been here. The kids, Mm. um, have, I think (laughs) asked, I asked Cooper what, because they went back their first day was yesterday. And I asked Cooper like how, (laughs) how he felt about school. He was like, <clears throat> it was more organized. <laughs> I was like, <clears throat> excuse me? Like, what is home? <laughs> and he was like, oh, okay. you know, the teacher is there and she's telling you what to do. And she's, and, and, you know, like we can pair up and, and work on things together as buddies and all this stuff. And I'm like, right. Yeah. Okay. That's good. And he's like, but I like learning from you too. Like, okay. I got you. All right. Try not to be offended by that. Trying <laughs> not to be. It's so funny because it, and like I kind of am liking that part of it for him because I it's really making him be so like it's teaching him to be self motivated. I mean, he really mm-hmm. has to. He's in control of his day, and I really push that with him. I mean, he's in charge of going through what he's responsible for, and so he's nine. Is that right? Nine, nine or ten? Yeah, it's, nine, it's yeah. teaching him some responsibility. He has a an outline, a timetable that he follows, and he goes through all the Google slides and does his work. And he asks for help if he needs it. And then, uh, meanwhile, I spend every 10 minutes with Lydia saying, okay, yes. let's do this now. Okay. Let's do this. Now. Yes. Yes. That's incredible. And no, I love that. I love that he's learning that self discipline, yeah. that self motivation. And that's awesome. I know both yeah. of us have six year olds. Yes. <laughs> not the case with the six year old. No. Like, so I have friends that have upper elementary kids or uh, primary school kids and they, and they, I hear that a lot. And I'm like, I sit with London all of her lessons and yeah. that's that's the issue for me with running all the editing and all the things I'm supposed to be doing for my business like it's not happening anymore yeah. it's happening much slower than it did you know I have like a one-hour chunk here and then a one-hour chunk there right and that is that's been hard too is I, I don't work in one-hour chunks yeah <laughs> learning to work in one-hour chunks is just it's been hard so I hear you on that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you like, you don't even want to start anything because you know, you're going to get interrupted. Exactly. And so, <laughs> what's the point, what's the point yeah. of even starting? <laughs> yes. yes. I feel like every mom across the world is nodding with us right now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> One other right. benefit is yeah. that I feel like Cooper has really gotten better with the computer. He has started to, you know, his computer skills have improved a lot. He's able to, I mean, he already was doing pretty good with it, but that's when I think bonus of it. And he's using Canva, like, Oh wow. Yeah. He's using Canva to create things. And, um, and they're also kind of discovering new hobbies and, and things that they 
want to do. They're doing a lot more drawing, um, mm-hmm. a lot more creative things. And that side of things is fun too. Um, my mom, when I was back home, I had two recorders from elementary yeah. school. Um, and she had saved them. And so she gave no. them to me. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. That's she not a nice gift. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you bring that home? <laughs> and so I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I've got these recorders and I like, I know music. I should really be teaching my kids some music right now because I'm their teacher. And so I get the recorders mm-hmm. out and all they do is just, you know, they just play things. And I'm like, I don't actually remember the notes. I can, I can teach some <laughs> stuff, but I can't remember the notes. So then I look up on YouTube, I Google like a recorder tutor- tutorials, and I find this incredible recorder teacher on YouTube. Okay. So I set the kids up to watch yeah. it and they can play a song by the end of it. It's amazing. <laughs> Thank goodness for YouTube. <laughs> goodness for YouTube. It's the best. You can learn anything. You can really learn anything. Yes. Yes. Tutorials. Amazing. Oh my gosh. So if you're out there and you're thinking, I would really like to incorporate some music lessons for into our day and for during homeschooling, recorder lessons on YouTube. I love it. I do it outside. <laughs> that's what I had my kids do. But I set I set up the iPad outside and they had to do it outside. Oh, that's smart. I would have just left the recorder in the United States. That's what I would have done. <laughs> Don't tell my mom that. She's probably listening to this episode, by the oh, way. Oh, she probably is. I'm so sorry. <laughs> As a former music teacher, I'm saying that, by the way. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, okay well that's fantastic I'm so glad to hear that things are going reasonably well for you um, I know it's just been a whirlwind for everybody so that's good to hear that update so everyone we are introducing a brand new segment to our podcast that we're so excited about and we're calling it our favorite things and what this segment is about is we're talking about our favorite things that we use and love when we are making films. Now, this can be anything from gear to software and everything in between. Yep. So for this first segment of our favorite things, um, Courtney, I think you're going to, you're up first. And yeah, um, I want to hear what, or everybody wants to hear, what is your favorite thing right now in your filmmaking experience journey? Well, my new favorite thing would have to be the Canon EOS R. And I'm aware the EOS, wait, what's it called? Is it the R5? I think it's called the R5. Um, is coming out soon. So that's kind of the, mm-hmm. the newer upgraded version of it. I bought mm-hmm. the EOS R at the end of last year. Um, I sold my Sony a7 III. And right. this is not to say anything bad against Sony. I just didn't fall in love with it. And right. I got the EOS R intent actually to, to be honest, I didn't get it with the intention of shooting family films. I got it with the intention of, um, cause it has a, a screen that flips out and then turns so that you can see, like you can record yourself and be able to see yourself on the screen. So I bought it to be able to record new tutorials and make that process easier for myself. Nice. Right. And, um, but then I was doing a session for Jill. Well, first of all, I took it with me when our family went away. And um, I, the lens that I use with it is a 35 1.8, which is the um, specific, like the mirrorless 
um, lens. I think it's called RF lenses um, Mm -hmm. that are native for the mirrorless um, body. And then I have an adapter that allows me to use all of my other Canon lenses, L-series lenses with it. And I took it with me and I loved it. Really loved shooting with it for um, that period of time while we were away. And then I was doing a session for Jill Seamer, who's our social media manager. And um, I had that coming up and I said to her, I was like, I really am. I really want to use this during a session. Would it be all right if I used it for like part of your session? And then, then the other part I'll use the Mark four. And she was like, you need to just leave the Mark four at home and just use the EOSR. Like you just need to love that because otherwise, and this is Jill and she comes from, she shoots Sony and loves her Sony. Right. And she knows my history of like issues with the Sony and how I felt about it. And right. Like, you need to just bring the EMSR, leave the Mark IV home, do the whole session with it and see what you think. Yeah. So I did. And oh my gosh, I love, love, love the colors that I got with it. There are some. Straight, straight out of camera. Straight like camera. you showed yeah. the back of your, you showed the back of your camera to me and I was like, holy monkey. They're incredible. Like so beautiful. Um, one of the things that I love about the EOSR is that it shoots, I didn't shoot log for Jill's session because I'm still really kind of experimenting with whether I even want to be working with log right now, but right. it shoots log footage with a thing called log assist. And so the back of your camera actually looks graded. And so it has the contrast built in so you can see it, but it's not actually saving that contrast in the log footage. That's so awesome. That is really freaking awesome because normally you need to get an external um, monitor to be able to see that. And shooting yeah. log footage is really, really hard to get your exposure right. So right. I, I love that about it. I also love the quality that I get using it. Um, the autofocus for times when I have used autofocus using not the Canon lens or the adapters, but autofocus, um, for video with the mirrorless lens is incredible. Like really, really good eye tracking autofocus. So it tracks the eye for the person that you're the subject that you're shooting. Yeah. I really like that. Um, when I'm having to, when I am using that, that lens, which is the lens that I take with me when I'm doing personal work. If I'm doing client work, I'm still using my other lenses. Um, right. And so, in and that, that's a 20, did you say that was a 24 or a 35, what did you say? 35. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, <clears throat> but yeah. So, anyway, it's just a beautiful, beautiful camera. Like, I really, really like it. I like how it feels in my hands. Mm-hmm. I like the screen flips out. Mm-hmm. The only thing I don't like about it is the um, ease of switching between stills and video. You have to change modes and right. it saves the last, like your camera dies, it saves the yes. um, photo settings from when you were on mm-hmm. photos and it saves the video settings. So when you go back and forth, you're going back to mm-hmm. whatever the last settings were, which right. doesn't happen on the Mark IV. Um and so those are just a couple of things that I've had to get used to. But apart from that, like mm-hmm. those aren't deal breakers for me. And right. I love the camera. And so I've used it for every client session since then. And awesome. Yeah. I haven't. Who? Go ahead. I haven't edited them yet, but <laughs> <laughs> I've looked at the footage and it's good. <laughs> yes. Yes. So who, who do you think benefits most from this camera if someone's looking for um, 
possibly switching or upgrading? Who Who I is think, this person? I think the person who is shooting on a Mark III right now and wants to be able to shoot a higher frame rate at higher resolution. Um, mm-hmm. Anyone who's shooting on the Mark III or below, anyone who's shooting on a on a Canon already who is um, frustrated that they they're not able to shoot slow motion at 1080p. Right. and they don't want to spend the money on a Mark IV, mm-hmm. this is the camera to get. Um, okay. Get this with the adapter, and you can still use the lenses that you have. Um, and it's a lot cheaper. The mirrorless, the OSR is a lot cheaper. The R5, on the other hand, I think it's going to be around mm-hmm. the same price as the Mark IV. Um, right. But, yeah, it's it's... I would say that person has a lot to gain. If I could go back and not get them more I would be happy with just getting this wow okay so yeah that's a big statement yeah if I I mean it's it's essentially the same the same camera it's Mm. just there's a few differences um so it's a really good really really good camera definitely awesome I love that I think that was a great a great uh first favorite things topic so thanks for sharing (laughs) yes our other topics of my favorite themes might not take as long but yes (laughs) you were very passionate (laughs) I'm very passionate (laughs) yeah all right well um we've got some updates on the filming life academy um we have first of all congratulations to all of our filming lifers that have taken and passed the test um, we're going to list all of those people on the show notes. So, and we're going to link you to their websites. Um, so have a look over there at filminglifeacademy.com. Um, and then just click on the blog and you will see it there or follow the link in whatever it is that you're using to listen to this podcast episode. Um, and you'll get to the show notes that way. Um, so congratulations to them. Our filming lifers is, um, they're a group of filmmakers who have been working really hard. They've got to be members of the Academy for four months at least. Mm -hmm. And then they have to take it an assessment. Um, it's timed and it's a set of questions that are just testing their knowledge around, um, filmmaking technical skills, um, and Mm -hmm. shooting skills. And so it's really just, a group of people who really are kind of taking this seriously and they want to um, make a go of this. Um, And we kind of look at them as our group of people to watch. So they're usually pretty active in our community as well and so helpful and Mm -hmm. supportive. They're a really great group of people. So have a look at um, our newest filming lifers. They were really proud of them. Um, another awesome. update that I want to just let you guys know about is that we have released a new free download on the website. Mm-hmm. It's called 11 Tips for New Family Filmmakers. And it's a PDF that I've put together, which just covers our top 10 11 tips. Uh, top 10, 11 tips, tips, um, for new family filmmakers. And that kind of, um, was born out of, if I have to use those terms, um, the, the keepsake challenge. And so I wanted to put something together that I thought would be really useful for people 
before they start filming. One of the things that I've heard from people is that they love having just something to print out that they can look at mm-hmm. before they go to a session or before they um, start to shoot a film. And so that was, that's what this I had in mind when I created this. And so um, you can go to our, web, our website at filminglifeacademy.com and download that now. So um, make sure you check that out. Yeah, um, what awesome. else is happening? Oh, the, well, I mentioned this earlier, but the courses. So yes. yeah, big overhaul. This is a big, big deal. So I, towards the end of last year, Kylie came and filmed me filming a family behind the scenes. Yes. Um, yes. So I've got that one. And then at the beginning of this year, she came and filmed another family, me filming them behind the scenes. Right. Um, and so I've got two new, brand new behind the scenes to um, include in the new filming families course. And yep. I'm just doing a big overhaul because I feel like, you know, it's 2020 and mm-hmm. I've learned a lot over the last year or so. Um, mm-hmm. And it just felt time to kind of give it a refresh with yes. new content, all brand new video tutorials. Um, mm-hmm. Premiere Pro has had some updates, so I wanted to include that. Um creating a course on color grading. I am Mm -hmm. expanding the information that we had on cinematography techniques and putting that into a course. Um, And we have some business courses coming out as well. Mm -hmm. We have a strategic portfolio building course um, and lots of good stuff, lots of good stuff. That is, I'm like throwing myself into education right now and creating, like taking my brain and just dumping it all. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, in the most um, efficient way possible. So yeah, I'm excited about that. It's been really good. I love, I love that you don't like just put it out there and then it's done. Like, I think that's kind of an easy way that I think a lot of places online kind of have a tendency to do that because it's just you've done the work and then it's there sitting and it's ready for people to consume but our members continually want more and they're active and they're engaged and they're growing just as we're growing and um I love that you're responding to that and that um you're not being like stagnant about the way that you're presenting it and that's just only helpful to everybody so yeah thank you awesome yeah thank you um I really feel like you know, what we do is, and we've talked about this a lot before, but, you know, learning how to make a film, like it's so much more than just a four week course. It's so, it's like a lifelong, I mean, not, not lifelong, but, but like, well, yeah, this plays into time. our topic today. That yeah, is our topic today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the six film challenge, talk to us about the six film challenge and what's happening with that for this this theme yeah so you guys know um if you've been listening for a while that we challenge our members throughout a course of a year to create six films because we think that's kind of doable instead of 12 films six films so every two months they create a film ideally they're not required to and they can join in you know however they they want but uh, we give six main themes and so our theme in march and in april was a bit of a unique one. We wanted to see a day in their lives and we called it day in the life, D-I-L-F. Um, but we, we threw a little curveball in there and we asked them to film it vertically. So in other words, 
Yeah. Not, not horizontally. <laughs> and that, that part ended up being, um, I think, the part that was both the most challenging and the most creatively interesting for everybody yeah. because most of us don't film that way. We're taught really not to, you know, yeah. we're not sending it's, but it's, uh, we wanted to do something a little different. It's a medium vertical films that presents well on social media. Um, and it's just, it's just an interesting challenge creatively. So we had a lot of members um, we just finished up the challenge and our members submitted their films and um, they get a chance to be featured on our blog and then promoted on social media and what they submitted was so cool. Um, and the I other think. thing that was so crazy is we didn't know that we would be in the middle of a worldwide pandemic when we assigned this. We made right. these, we created these themes, what, back in oh, like of 2019? Yeah. Yeah, it was a while back. And so we, of course, had no idea. And so when we asked them to, to, to do a day in the life theme, how more appropriate than when all of us are home with our families um, doing days in the life together. And so the films that we got from it were so... Like, I think I cried more watching CFEs than I have at any of our other themes. They were just so, so interesting and real and hard and sad and good and joyful. There was just this wide range. This was the most that we've ever seen news footage and audio of news incorporated into films because people wanted to show the news that's playing in the background of the, the virus and what's, how that's affecting their community. And then the footage that goes along with that. Um, we had people, I mean, it was just so creative. I wanted to take just a second to highlight three people who kind of stood out to all of us as a, as an academy. Um, the first one that we both loved, I know you love this too, was Nora Mullins film. Um, and these will be on our blog, of course, so you can, uh, our show notes, so you can, uh, go watch these, but she, she just encaptured this incredible, she used audio of news footage first off and she showed their day. She used beautiful filmmaking techniques, but that wasn't what struck me. What got me when I watched this was in the middle of the film, she does the sequence where she rewinds the film footage Mm -hmm. and it's really well done. It gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. Like she rewinds the footage and it just makes you feel like this monotony of like, you're in this circle circular yeah. thing that we're all doing this thing over and over again you're not sure what day it is what time it is and she like got it that yes. in her film it was amazing yes yeah I love so that, that I felt exactly the same I got chills when I watched that little rewind section I was like this is just brilliant like it's yeah. so it was perfect yeah yeah yeah, the next one that we really loved was Nicole Yandons. I'm not sure if I'm getting your last name right. Um, she, what I loved is um, she took the idea of Day in the Life, um, but she incorporated older iPhone footage of her children from when they were little babies. And she has a little baby still. I think it was a six-month-old. Mm-hmm. Um, but she she used like birth footage and mm-hmm. right after the birth footage and she just included that little cell phone footage that into her film along with the present day footage for the challenge. And I just, I love it when people do that. It makes me so happy. So yeah. that was a unique spin on it. And then one that absolutely made us laugh yeah. was... Uh, <laughs> film by Maureen Petru. Um, she did a whole day of the life from the perspective of her dog. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. She chose the perfect music that was super fun. But like, 
I mean, guys, she had that GoPro like in the dog bowl and on the dog's head and it wasn't badly done. It was really well done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the dog's name is Ruby and I feel like it needs its own Instagram account now. Like it's so <laughs> funny. Yeah. She did amazing. So anyway. Yes. Yeah. Such we good love storytelling in all of them. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys mm-hmm. outdid yourselves. I love the creativity. And so anyway, that was a fun challenge. Our next one is what is our next one help me out Courtney it motherhood. is motherhood thank you yeah which is completely kind of the opposite end of the spectrum it's very broad it's not a very specific topic so we're excited to see what people come up with with that so yes yeah a six film challenge yep and on that note if you are listening and you're not a member and you want to be if you use the code motherhood you will get $10 off your monthly membership when you sign up. We would love nice. to see you there and you can join us for this challenge. Each time we do a theme, we also include tutorials that are specific to that theme um, right. to help our members and kind of guide them and give them some inspiration um, and help them sort of plan what they're going to do. So um, we would love to have you join us. Use the code motherhood, all caps when you join. Yeah. Well, okay. Awesome. Shall we move on to our topic? Yeah, let's dig in. Okay. So our main topic this time is a question that it kind of was born out of a question that has been asked to both myself and to Courtney many times, I would say, probably more you than me, but it has, we've heard this question in a couple different ways phrased differently, but the base question is this, and um, I'm going to read the question, and I think we can just kind of dive into this yeah. topic, because I'm interested to hear what we kind of un- unpack it, if you will. Yeah. So here's the question. Um, Hi, Courtney and Allison. I love making films. When I first saw Courtney's films for her clients, they blew me away, and I knew I wanted to start making films just like it for myself and hopefully for my clients. I started a lifestyle family photography business about a year ago, and it's going pretty well. I've made films for my own family, and I couldn't wait to start making them as a bigger part of my photography business, but I'm getting frustrated with how few bookings I'm getting. It's like crickets out there. I think my work is pretty good. I've made about three or four films for clients and a few for my own family. Am I doing something wrong? How long does it take for films to be a major part of my business? It seems like you guys are booking clients all the time and always putting out new films, always busy behind the scenes with films. What am I missing? I'm feeling discouraged and I just need to vent. Thanks for listening. And this comes specifically from um, a wonderful listener named named Kara from New Hampshire. So thank you, Kara, for that question. We've heard that question before though, haven't we? (laughs) Yes, Yes, we have. So yeah, so what's your take on this, Courtney? What's your... What do you think about this? Well, I mean, I'm, there's nothing that you're missing. I'll just say that. <laughs> there's nothing that you're missing except maybe time. Um, it takes a really long time to get to a point where you are consistently booking. Um, I know when I first started, this was a really like a major part of my business was just educating people. I mean, I spent the majority of my time when I wasn't doing photography sessions, I was, I was trying to figure out ways to educate people about what family films were. 
Um, right. And, and I also, I mean, I talk about this in, in my um, pricing and marketing course, but mm-hmm. when you are, when I first started, I was adding films into photography sessions, existing photography sessions. And then right. from there, I was making films, whether I was booking them or not. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that you have to, you have to expect and prepare for is that you need to, like, there's this whole taboo around doing work for free, et cetera, et cetera. So right. like, a lot of people are saying, you know, don't, don't do any work. Don't, don't do any work for free. And I agree with that to a certain extent. If somebody is mm-hmm. asking you to um, make a film for them and do it for free, that's a big no. But if you are wanting to make a film and you have an idea for that and you, and you have um, a plan for that and you want a specific type of client for that, there, you should do that for free. You should do right. lots of them without mm-hmm. any kind of financial tie to them so that you can develop your own distinct and unique voice and style because I personally think that if you go straight out of the gate and charge mm-hmm. and and really focus on, you know, getting people paying you for films, then you kind of mm-hmm. linked to you you have that feeling of, well, what are they expecting? Because they don't they haven't seen enough of your work to know what to expect. Right. It was this dance of yes. trying to please them, but also doing what you want to do. And then it that part is really hard. So I really think you should spend a significant amount of time building your portfolio and which is, this right. is why we've put together that portfolio building strategy right. course specifically for this, because you should mm-hmm. really spend a lot of time building your portfolio and three or four films is still not enough. Like that, that, that right there. That's, that's, I think that's probably a surprising thought. Right. right. <laughs> because three or four films takes a lot of time. So yes. Yeah, it takes a lot of time and three or four films is still not enough. So three or four films is enough to kind of get you started and people might start to show some interest in that. Mm -hmm. Then you need to keep going. So if you're not booking, you should, you should be, you should plan on working whether you're getting paid work or not. Mm -hmm. I kind of think about it like going to university, like how many people, I mean, you're not really like you're, you need to invest in your business and you're not, you've already got the gear you need. You've already right. spent the money you need because you've already have a photography business. So right. think of making films for your portfolio as an investment, almost like prac. Like it's almost yeah. like, you know, going as, so you've to be a nurse or to be a doctor, you've got to go and actually work in a hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Unpaid. Exactly. <laughs> so, right. Student t- for teachers. It's student teachers. Teaching. You have to do student teaching. Yeah. Same concept. So yeah. I think that that, I think that's one of the thing. one of the, the biggest things I would say, it took me a long time. It took me a really long time to, yeah. to really start booking consistently. Yeah. It's, um, it doesn't come quickly. We've entitled this episode. It takes time. I, mm. I, I feel like that, there's almost, we've noticed kind of a expectation that it should happen quickly. Like I've done a few, I should be good now. Um, but people, people don't read. (laughs) 
people don't watch as much as you think. So if you're like, I just spent this many hours, I did this, I edited, this is a pretty good film and I'm proud of it. That's great. Um, But depending on how you have your email list set up, depending on your reach on your social media networks and advertising and all that, however you have all of that set up, people might not see that. Or if they do, they maybe have only seen it once. And what is it? It takes what, seven maybe more times for a person to even start thinking about Mm -hmm. getting up the courage to say, Hey, I might be interested in this film thing. Um, They need to know that the product exists. They probably don't even know that the product exists. I think that's the the thing as well. Like with photography, you have usually, I'm going to say at least five to 10 photos from that session that you would share online. So you have five to 10 opportunities that you can, you know, put your work out there with a film. If you're just posting it once, Mm -hmm. then like you really, you just got, that's that one time. Right. So you need to make sure that you're posting it at the right time of day. And when people are online, we also need to share that with people regularly Mm -hmm. and also share snippets of it regularly yes we've seen more of our members starting to do that and I think that's a really good Mm -hmm. actionable thing to take away from this part of the conversation you can take a 10 to 15 second chunk of your film your favorite part that is the best part of it because people's attention span let's just give Instagram as an example Mm. people's attention span isn't that long but you can easily link that little chunk in there and they see it and that it's easy yeah um yeah, it's an easy way to do that. Um, so tell me, tell me what year one looked like in your business. A little bit more like detail about what was the year one for you, because you not necessarily the film's business. Like when kind of that transition in with your existing photography, all that. Yeah. Um, well, it was pretty slow because I had a baby at the time. I had a baby at home, and so I was taking it slow intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I only really had the time that she was sleeping to be able to work. Right. Um, right. But I, I, I early on adopted that whole like work smarter, not harder concept. And so I have always tried to um, focus on the things that mattered the most so that I could, you know, get the most bang for my buck. Um, Mm -hmm. And one of those things for me was the marketing side of things. And um, and really learning how to speak to people. I think that's one of the biggest things that I've developed over time is how to communicate to a potential client mm-hmm. without it being salesy, without mm-hmm. pushing, but kind of in this way of like, you're missing out if you don't get this. Yeah. Um, I feel like you're really good at that. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I hate being salesy and, and, and the whole concept of what I do is, you know, not to be salesy. Um, but I've, I, I figured out early on that I wanted to be a high end kind of business. So I've, I, I have, I was, when I first started, I was charging $200 <laughs> and then yeah, I realized, <laughs> I realized quite quickly that I would not make any money doing that. Um, yeah. and I wanted to make this, like, I didn't want to just be a hobby photographer. Like I wanted this to be a career and I wanted it to be 
a long-term career. I wanted to be doing this still when my kids were in high school. I wanted to set my own hours. I wanted to be able to take them to school and pick them up. So I, I knew that like this period of time while they were babies was the, the time yeah. for me to kind of create the foundations of my business. And yeah. with that goes a lot of work in the back end of setting up your systems, getting your, getting your, you know, email templates in place, figuring out how you're going to work with clients and um, figuring out your own workflow and your style and your vision, all of those things. So I really, I, I understood that. So I, I wasn't, I think I had the benefit of kind of not needing to make money right then at that time, because I was already staying home. So, yes. I, you know, I didn't have anything to lose in that regard. Like I could yeah make that decision to, to go from making charging $200 to charging $1,500 overnight, right. which is what I did once I did the math and worked out how much right. I actually needed to make. Um, right. And then, you know, I had the, I guess, um, I had the ability to, that's kind of a luxury that I had at that mm-hmm. time. I timed it well. I made the decision at the right time in my life where I was already staying home. We had already budgeted for that. And so, I knew I had the time to kind of do all of this work, um, Mm -hmm. knowing that it would pay off in the long run. And I think that that is the thing that you have to keep in mind. If you are starting out and you think you're going to make a profit in the first year, you're probably wrong. Like that's the wrong mentality. I really, I wasn't turning like once, you know, I was paying for expenses and I was upgrading equipment and upgrading software and, and, you know, adding to and making sure that like I was able to really deliver that high quality and high end product that I wanted to be charging for, um, two years, at least by the end of the two years is when I was starting to make a bit of a profit. Um, right. And your, your husband says something, he says, uh, Dan's kind of the business whiz and he says it takes uh, startups 10 years, 10 years. It's yeah. like overnight start overnight success stories. It really is 10 years. 10 years. And yeah. Yeah. What you're not seeing. So I feel like that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah. And I mean, if, if you think about it, I'm essentially 10 years from when I first got, when I got my first camera now. Um, yeah. And you know, I really wasn't able to start going uh, and working full time on everything until even, even I wasn't it, I'm still not even able to work full time technically. Like, I mean, I do the hours, but I don't, I don't have that child free full time. Never have. So, you know, I have to, you have to find the pockets of time. One of the best things I ever did was that um, mastery moment seekers course when Marie Moss was offering that through fearless and framed, which like forced you to create um, an Excel spreadsheet of your time, like table. And I would pick, the pockets of time where I could get the most work done and I would be the most productive during those times. Yeah. That was genius for me. That really helped me get a lot of work done. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean the first year of my business, it was slow. It was like <laughs> slow and steady wins the race. That was me. I was, I was just working as hard as I could at, at getting as good as I could. Um, mm-hmm. I knew that I had two goals. I wanted to charge a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to have work that, oh, and I wanted to book a lot of clients, um, but like only clients I wanted. 
<laughs> and also, um, um, not, I, I wanted to make more money and not work as much. Right. So, yeah. um, I mean, that's the goal I think for a lot of people. And so I knew that in order to get there, I needed to be delivering something that other people couldn't give themselves. That was, I love that. Thing. That was the thing yeah. that I knew I needed to technically get to that point of delivering a product that people could not do themselves. So mm -hmm. that was year one. That's amazing. What, so what are we not seeing? Let's, let's fast forward a bit. So okay. you've had your year one, mm -hmm. you've, you're starting to make money in your business. This is maybe year two, three, four. I don't know. You, you tell me, yeah. um, what okay yeah so what are we not seeing behind the scenes that is presented in outside as being wow she's becoming successful things are working for her a little bit now I think the biggest difference between now and back then is that there are a lot more workshops out there right now that are teaching people mm -hmm. how to do all the things and it, it's right. it's much easier to get to a higher skill level faster mm -hmm. Yes. People aren't realizing that the clients still take the same amount of time as they did back when I was doing it. Like it's not about right. your skill level. I mean, it can be your skill level yeah. definitely comes into play. I'm not going to lie, but yeah. the amount of time that it takes to get people to book you hasn't changed. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter what the workshops tell you. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of workshops out there, photography workshops, I'm not talking about family films, but photography workshops that are like, you know, I'll teach you how to book clients and mm. have a booked out year, blah, blah, blah. Um, mm. I think the biggest difference now is that people are able to, um, whereas like when I was first starting, there really wasn't anything out there that was teaching me how to make family films. So right. it was a lot of trial and error. It was a lot of like, creative live courses that were on wedding videography and taking that and applying it to family mm. films. It was a lot of YouTube tutorials. It was a lot of just figuring things out for myself. Right. And so now people can do a course on video right. and make a film in like a week. Like, right. <laughs> right. That's what we do. Thanks to you. <laughs> so we do. And I love that part of it. But, but the difference is it still, it still takes practice. <laughs> you takes still have practice. to be actively in front of clients and making, or your own family, whatever. It, you still have to be doing it. It's still that you marketing. Generate. Right. Like it takes, yeah. it takes, a, a, I don't think people realize how much marketing it actually takes to be able yeah. to build a client base. That's the thing. Then they have to be showing up every day. And the other, the other thing too is social media has changed so much. Whereas before, like you'd show a video and um, lots of people would see it. I mean, you would post anything and lots of people would see it. Now it's really hard to get seen. It's really very. And I think people are still um, behind the behind the times, so to speak, and putting a lot of wasted time on social media. Well, what they should mm. be doing is focusing a lot more on their community and, mm. you know, and building their email newslet, like email list, their newsletter, right. um, and doing a lot of what you've done, which is creating this, mm. like, I have to have it kind of mentality with the right. people on your compound, the people in your community. Um, right. 
And then the, the whole way that you do your summer films as well is very like time specific, you know, like very intentional. Yeah. Yeah. They have to book it within that time period. And, and that's the thing too, is that that's a, that's a big difference between kind of how you are booking films and how the average person who's not traveling, there's no real time constraint on people to Mm -hmm. book with them. They're always there. You can like me, they can book me anytime essentially. Right. Um, But there is this, there's, there's still a, a a medium or what's the word? There's a, something that's similar between the two of us and that, or any family filmmaker in that it takes time to edit these. This is not a fast process. It's not something that you can just pop out quickly. So I don't care if you're booking a lot or you're not booking any, you still have to be able to schedule out. It's going to take this long. Um, And that's how I look at my year. I'm like, I have this much time between Mm -hmm. my children on a (laughs) non-homeschooling. Yeah. I have this much time and this is how many I can take. And here's when I'm going to schedule them. And then I work back from that a Mm -hmm. year beforehand. And then I mark it towards those times of the year when I want to do that. And that allows me to see it and feel uh, no matter how you cut it, you have to be intentional forward thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my friends who is a photographer who moved to Sydney from Adelaide, she had established her business in Adelaide as a newborn photographer, had you know mm-hmm. a really good, decent client base, and she moved here. And mm-hmm. I remember her talking to me about how she was getting really frustrated was taking a long time to build back up her business. Um, and yeah. again, like this is an experienced established photographer. It, right. it is less about your skill and so much about your marketing. But anyway, mm-hmm. when I was talking to her, I said to her, here's what I would do. Have the days mm-hmm. that you have set aside. These are your shoot days and these are your edit days. And whether you have a booking or not on that shoot day, shoot yeah. that day, get a booking. Oh, that's great advice. Yeah. Whether it's whether it's paid or not, if you've yeah. set aside that time in your schedule to do a shoot on that day, you should do a shoot on that day. And mm. if you do that for long enough, it will eventually turn into client paid bookings. That's yeah. how it's going to end up. And that's what she did. And it really made a huge difference. In addition to that, she was part of a community, like um, uh, like a moms in business kind of community yes. thing. And so she was really actively in the local community and um, talking to people on a regular basis, showing her work, mm-hmm. talking about her business, and other people were talking about her business through that as well. But all of those things, you have to be showing work regularly. If I go to your business Show page work. and you haven't done anything, you haven't posted anything in three months, I'm going to be like, oh, right. is, she even, is she shooting? Like what? Right. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's huge. Um, so what are the, I don't want to sound negative, but what are, what are the things behind the scenes that we aren't seeing? I know I can talk about this, but I'm not going to ask you first. Okay. <laughs> what are the things, what are, we, what are the things that we're not seeing that maybe, as a result of being um, getting to a point where you are successful because you have put the time in, what are we not seeing that might not be so great? If I can ask an honest question, <laughs> does that make sense? Like yeah. what are the, what are some of the negatives? Cause I, I want to hear the full story, I guess is what I'm asking. So what does 
quote unquote successful look like in real life behind the scenes? Yes. Like, yes. And, and I love this question because, you know, I think it's really easy to look at someone and what they post on social media and, and mm-hmm. think, oh, they've got it all or, oh, they yes. must be successful. I also want to, I mean, we all know, I think a lot of people know now social media is a lot of smoke and mirrors. I personally, and I know you're the same, I try to always be really authentic. And then I, I mean, I can't, I can't put myself out there and be fake like it's just that it's not I just can't I can't do it um (laughs) my face doesn't allow it so I think um I think though it is still really easy I am not somebody who tends to put the negative things out there and so um the hard days that Mm. kind of are a part of this for me personally, I've had to be very, very careful about how much I um, book the weight of having a huge backlog of editing can be so heavy. And um, I think that, you know, this whole COVID-19 thing has kind of made me realize too, how much of a workaholic I can be. Um, Mm. And, and it's easy to kind of get pulled into that. The negative side of it is that I get stressed and Mm -hmm. I get burnt out. And if I have too many films back to back, I feel like I'm not, I almost feel like I'm just sort of, I don't repeat the same thing, but I feel less motivated to want to edit them when I do, when I have it spaced out really well, then I love it. Like I love sitting down to edit a film. I love crafting a story. I love, you know, spending that time on it. But when I have a huge backlog, it's like, okay, I need to do this one. And I try to give it all of my attention, but it can be really, really hard and tricky to manage when you have a big backlog. Um, I would say also the travel side of it. I I know that it seems really glamorous and, you know, really cool to be traveling for sessions. Um, I've learned it's really not that awesome. I mean, it, 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 don't get me wrong. Like I do, I, part of me really, really loves it. Then part of me is like, it takes up so much. It takes away so much time, like Mm. to leave the kids, to leave my family, to to do that. Like that side of it can be really hard. And also traveling alone um, can be really lonely as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I think too, there's this sort of aspect of feeling like you kind of always have to be better than the last one that you made. I think that's something that gets for me, like it feels like every single film that I make, I want to make it be the best one that I've ever made. And so, you know, I feel that added pressure. Yeah. To always be producing like the best work, um, which means that you can't really have an off day. That's hard to, (laughs) that's hard to deal with. (laughs) I mean, our medium isn't exactly a, a quiet, uh, behind the scenes media I and mean, people see people see unless they yeah. sign up they don't want it anywhere which very very few people do that mm-hmm. everybody sees it yeah that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself um, what about you 
Um, I think as things progressed and got uh, more and more active in my business over the past few years, it has been very hard to figuring out balance in my life. And I legitimately think that this COVID crisis has, I've known this, but to see firsthand how much time I am now with my children versus two months ago, it, it kills me inside. Like Mm -hmm. just the hours um, that have been spent all evening and all days. And when they're at school for chunks of the day normally. And so I would have these longer chunks and then I would just put them to bed and then keep working and keep working mm-hmm. and time away from my husband or sitting next to him on the couch, but you know, headphones on working and yeah. um, I don't know. I just, it's that that's what it has taken. Yeah. <laughs> at this point. Uh-huh. No, I don't think that's all that helpful of an answer. Um, but I've been, made more aware by this pandemic um that the balance is not there yeah um and it's that's so hard because this whole small business running it from home thing I don't know you when you answered that first question for me you said that you went into it with a goal of the this this and this um Mm -hmm. and that's amazing I I think I was a little different in that I didn't see it coming and just kind of it fell into my lap and I was like oh this is fun let's try this I didn't go into it with a lot of goals and so and then it did become a business and I chose to make it a business and all of that happened but um that I feel like I'm continually surprised and therefore not necessarily planning as well and managing my time as well because of that initial start and Uh if I had given it a little bit more intentionality at the beginning um, maybe my balance with work and family and my time that I hadn't been spending with my own children would be better. So yeah, I try not to live in regret about that, but I, it's, it's definitely been hard. Managing, yeah. Managing yeah. Time. I, um, I can remember probably the second or third year into my business, I would say probably my third year, um, I got really burnt out, like, because I was doing what you were doing, what you, what you just said, working during the day. And then again, once I got the kids to bed, working at night. Um, and I think it was, it was in, it was probably two years ago. I decided that I wasn't going to work at night anymore. Um, I remember you telling me that I remember you you're like, I'm done. (laughs) I'm done. done. I refuse. I mean, I'm working at night right now, but (laughs) here's an exception. Our time zones are different. (laughs) It's only because of you. It's because you're, um, but I, yeah, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not working at night anymore. And now I only will work during school hours, which is why things are really hard for me right now. (laughs) Right. Right. I, I really said, um, a friend of mine, Kristen Cook, who's an incredible photographer, mm-hmm. I remember at the Baby Summit, she talked about how she um, only works during school hours. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's the goal. Like, yeah, that is the goal for me. I only want to yeah. work during school hours. I don't want to work. And then like, I'll work on the weekend to do right. the shoot, but not, yes. not anything else. Um, and I think that ever since I was able to kind of do that and really get that in place, 
every now and then when things are really busy, like when we have the keepsake challenge or, yeah, you know, anything kind of major that's coming up that I have to have to do. But for the most part, I don't, I don't. And that has made a huge, huge, huge difference. Um, mm. But the only way to really do that is to charge a decent amount of money and be really like ruthless about saying mm-hmm. no to people when they want a book and mm-hmm. planning out the year far ahead, you know, enough in yes. advance to, like you yep. said, it's that forward thinking. Yep. You have to really, you have to do that. Um, and the benefit of the forward thinking is, is that by saying to people, okay, I'm planning my year in advance. If you want to be on my calendar, you need to do it now. Then that yes. is enough usually to get them to be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll, I want to get on her calendar. I want to make sure that I can get a film this year. So yes, those subtle like reminders, hey, by the way, you got to remind mm-hmm. people because they forget. Yeah, so. people are busy just like we are. It's, it's absolutely yeah. true. Yeah. Um, talk to me about comparison um, as we kind of wrap this up. Yeah. I feel like that, I feel like that plays into this and how, so this Kara who emailed us, I mean, she's clearly looking at other people who are making more films and she's not maybe thinking about her own market and how does that all how does that all work I think that um Kara should take all the films that she sees other people making with a grain of salt and um I think it's easy to kind of look at what other people are doing and assume that they've got something you don't but they don't like that's usually not the case. Um, I think it is so much more about your marketing and reminding people and just telling people about the thing that you're offering Mm -hmm. about the films. Um, I think that sometimes when you look at other people and see what they're making, if what you're mm-hmm. doing is comparing how much work they're doing versus how much work you are doing, then just do more work. <laughs> right. <laughs> like find people to shoot. Yes. <laughs> if yes. that's your thing, find people the to shoot. T- yes. The thing I tell myself with this is I'm, I'm looking at my community out the window of my living room right now. And I'm like, my, my community doesn't know this. They, they don't know what a photographer in Australia, hi Courtney, is doing. They don't care. Yeah, no. They know what I do. They know they know and see what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. what's important is mm-hmm. am I showing up? Am I doing the work? Am I presenting it in a way that needs to be heard for whatever my message is? Mm-hmm. Um, they don't care what a photographer that I saw on Instagram is doing. <laughs> that's right. They have no idea. Um, this is something I was talking to Francesca about. It's like, yeah. I mean, I asked her, you know, what this, what she felt like the industry, uh, a family films would looks like, will look like in the future. Yeah. And she's like, I just think no one knows about it yet. Like <laughs> it's easy for us in our bubble to be like, hey, everybody's making films, but really it's right. a small percentage of people <laughs> doing it. So yeah, people still need to, they need to know about it. You got to put things out there. You got to tell them about it. Um, and if you're comparing yourself to, if you're looking at the films that other people are making and you're, and you think, what is it about, you know, these films where they, it seems like their films are better than mine. Then I would mm-hmm. encourage you to study the films that you love, take notes yes. about yes. what it is that you love about those films and, 
practice, like do more work. Um, But create films that you love. Like it's so important to practice and and like hone your craft, you know, you Mm -hmm. can't, um, just stop. You could just don't compare yourself. I, I think, I, I mean, and that's so much easier said than done. Everybody compares themselves, but right. I think that, you know, you really just have to, um, try and not. And if you find yourself comparing yourself to other people, flip it in your head and think, okay, I see that I'm doing this. I see that I'm comparing myself to these other people. What can mm-hmm. I do differently? How can I, how can I use this in a way that's going to make me better? Um, yeah, that's what I would recommend. That's awesome. I like that a lot. I I remember, for, uh, what was your, okay. um, what was, I'm just curious cause I'm kind of like relating this back to when I was in, um, um, doing flu performance and I would get like so nervous because I mean, there you really are compared to other people. I mean, you're auditioning yeah. and you're, you're going up a little different. <laughs> the pressure of that and the anxiety that that gave me was like overwhelming. Mm. It was crushing. Oh, I love that. Oh, <laughs> I don't, I don't, because you know what? I'm, I'm that person that's like, mm. you know what? If you like me, you like me, take it or leave it. Right. I really don't care. Yeah. Like I don't want to be compared to somebody else. Cause I'm yes, me. Yes, yes. So I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I struggled a lot with that because I just didn't like it. I really didn't like it. I would rather be in my own bubble of I'm the only one that's doing this. So, (laughs) but it's impossible to kind of be like that. Yeah. For the backstory, for people who don't know, both of us uh, played flute um, and did it in college as well. (laughs) Yes. Um, Okay. I think that was, I think that's, I think, we've thoroughly answered that hopefully, but I think the honest, I love the honesty that you gave us with a lot of your answers there. So let me ask you this last question. At what point did you feel confident in your work as a whole? I like that, that question that you have there. Um, I, I don't know if I can point to a specific film, but I would say it wasn't as long ago as people probably would think it was. Um, it, oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, I think it was probably when I was able to walk into a film session or know that whatever the next film session was coming up with was and not, and be like, okay, I'm excited. Great. And I remember that was not the case for a while. It would be, I would be like you just talked about studying films and I would be going back on previous films that I had made and taking notes about things I didn't like about the, how I had shot it. And yeah. like legitimately I would make lists and that is still of benefit. Absolutely. But I did that a lot more at the beginning. And I remember there was a turning point when I was, I'd be like, Oh, family of five, five boys. I got this. Or, uh, you know, you, I would be thrown in a situation that, w- that would have scared me and I'm more, I'm excited to go into it now. And mm-hmm. when I hit that point, that, that was good. That was a good um, moment for me because I felt like I had a little bit more experience on my behind me to be able to have the confidence yeah. to go into a lot of different situations. But that doesn't come fast. It, it I would say that was <laughs> maybe a year ago, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's a lot of films in. But I, yeah. I don't know. It was. Um, 
I like having that confidence now. It's, it, it makes me enjoy sessions. I don't, I'm not scared of them. Um, mm. And that's a good thing. Mm. That's such a good thing. All right. <clears throat> well, before we wrap up this episode, we mm-hmm. have had lots of people sending questions in. Um, and even though we've just answered this one question, this was going to be our main topic. So <clears throat> this is a segment we're calling the podcast mailbag. So if you have questions that you want to ask guys, we would love to answer them. If you email me at Courtney at filminglifeacademy.com, uh, I can add it to our list and we can go through it. So here's a question that I got from Rochelle Turner. And she said, have you always chosen your client's music? Have clients ever asked you to choose a song? If so, did you listen to the song before filming? And I thought this was a good question. It could almost yeah. be its own topic. So we won't go too <laughs> in depth <laughs> on this one. But um, have I always chosen my client's music? That'd be a big yeah. yes. Um, mm-hmm. Have clients ever asked you to choose a song? <clears throat> have they ever asked you to use a song? Yes, they have. Mm -hmm. And if so, did you listen to the song before filming? So what I do is if a client has a song they like and they have asked me to use it, which happened just as recently as January this year. um, Oh, really? How funny. mm -hmm. um, I I will listen to that song that they've requested. I will tell them that I can't use like most commercial music. If it's on mm-hmm. song freedom, maybe I'll consider looking it up. But usually, that's 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 a no. Like I'm I'm usually yeah. just like mm, no. Um, <laughs> so, but I'll listen. I'll be like, oh, you really like that song? Okay, well, I can't promise you that I can use it, but I'll have a listen to it. Maybe I can find something similar. Um, and so, I, yes, I will listen to the song, and then I will still choose the music for the film because, to be honest, the music is what makes the film. Like. Of course, yeah. The music has to match the footage, so I'm not usually gonna. I'm not usually gonna use a song that the client asks for. Um, the music is is so specific. Like the film that I made for you guys, Allison, yeah. has yes. specific sections that match specific mm-hmm. footage, and like it couldn't have been with any other song. So yeah, and it like it matches our personality, which mm. we just totally tapped into. Yes. There's so much more to a song than just, Oh, I like that piece of music. Like, right. (laughs) So what about you? What's been your experience? I've had one or two clients do that, but it's not been from a, I want to use a song there. I've noticed they're just like, how do you choose your songs? And do you, do you, do you do this? And I really like that person's song. I get more of that. Like, oh, I like that person's song. Like, because oh. they're clearly just looking at my work. And I'm like, okay, like you can tell they're <laughs> trying to like hint that they want something like that. And I know you and I both have a clause in our contract that specifically states, yeah, I, don't, I can't remember the wording, but it states that it is up to our decision in the end. Yeah. So I think that's a safe way to go. But I, I explain and I just remember that people don't know and they're asking usually out of innocence and they're just like and then I tell them how much music is and how much licensing is and that's when they're they're like their jaws drop and they're like wow I had no idea it cost that much to license a song wow I'm so glad that you're doing this and that's usually how it ends so I'm not <laughs> they just don't know they, they have no idea so it's my it's again my job to educate them if they ask I'm not going to go preach it out there otherwise yeah absolutely it's so funny because I'm only, I think I've only so the one that happened this year earlier this year um 
I've only ever been asked twice. And so the one that happened this year, like totally threw me off guard, but, and I think it was just for her, it was, um, for in both instances, they were birth films. So, um, I don't know if it's just to do with that. Like sometimes maybe when you have a birth plan in your head of what you like, Mm -hmm. some people might envision the music that they're going to labor to. And so like, I think that kind of is probably the reason why it was, it was, um, suggested, but I think definitely, um, that clause in the contract is one of the best ways to kind of go about it. And like you said, educating, it's, it's our job to educating them. You don't need to say yes. Every time someone asks you, right. Yeah. You could say no. So yeah, (laughs) that's what I do. (laughs) Good answer. That was a good question. If you guys have more questions, um, just email Courtney at filmingleftacademy.com. We really, this is going to be a, a, every podcast. uh, Yeah. We're going to end the podcast with questions. Yes. I love Um, it. So if you um, didn't hear earlier, which that would seem odd, but if you missed it, if you join (laughs) using the code motherhood, all caps, you'll get $10 off your monthly membership fee. And that is ongoing for as long as you stay a member. If you want to join us this month to um, take part in the six film challenge for motherhood, we would love to have you. Um, thanks for listening. This has been a great yeah. episode. It's so good to yeah. see you and chat with you, Allison. Yes. Yeah, yeah. you too. Good luck with managing it all and staying afloat. <laughs> <laughs> Same to you. All right. Thanks yeah. for listening, guys. We'll chat to you soon. Bye.